Shalom. I'm David Yehudistan, and thank you for listening to the Progressively Jewish Podcast, an opportunity to explore and connect to Judaism through a progressive lens. Jewish worship has a fascinating history, developing over thousands of years. In this week's Torah portion, Terumah, God instructs the young Israelite nation to build a sanctuary in order that I may dwell among them. Since the birth of our people and our subsequent development into the Jewish religion of today, the spaces in which we gather have also evolved. Just as the tabernacle and temple have turned to Beit Midrash and synagogue, so too have animal sacrifice and burnt offerings turned to learning and prayer. Since March 2020, COVID-19 has meant that the majority of liberal and reform synagogues in the UK have had to close their doors to those seeking a physical space to gather and pray. Almost all these synagogues now offer virtual online services to their communities. What is the essence of Jewish prayer and can it be carried over to a virtual service? What do we lose and gain by taking our prayer spaces online? What will Jewish prayer look like once we are able to return to our synagogue buildings? My guests are three friends and fellow rabbinical students at Leo Beck College, Yael Tischler, Eleanor Davis and Tully Artman. And Yael, I'd like to begin by asking you, what is the essence of Jewish prayer? A big question, um, which I'm going to try and summarize sort of just just the ikar, just just that sort of little juicy thing um, that we can can kind of draw out of it if I had to um, would really be about connection um, and connection to something that is beyond us. And I think that something beyond us can be multiple different things. Um, so something beyond us could be our community. It could be people who are not us. Or it could be people who are not us who are outside of our community. Or it could be to the universe or the natural world, seeing ourselves as being part of the natural world. It could be sort of connection to God, however you understand that. Um, connection to nature, connection to anything that is beyond. Um, and so I, I think the Jewish prayer has the power um, to basically give us a way to be in touch with things that are not ourselves. Um, and sometimes that has the effect of actually bringing ourselves into deeper connection with ourselves. Tully, what about you? Is the essence of Jewish prayer connection or is there something else that speaks to you? I have to say that I'm still stuck at, you know, the generations after the destruction of the temple. Uh, when they were asking themselves the same thing. I mean, what are we praying for? Are we praying to to speak our heart to God, to complain about the bad things that happen to us, to ask favors, or are we doing it um, in order to get together and do something and do this weird ritual or practice that gets us together as a group and creates our identity just by actually performing the ritual? Even though while we do it, we might get really distracted and not really ask for anything that we want or not really be in that space that we want to aim for when we're praying. Um, and I think for me, it's, it's, those two different things that are still very much present in Jewish prayer, and I actually like them. So I like the ancient rabbis that testify that they, whatever, that they count clouds in the sky while they're praying, because just like us, they sometimes find it difficult to, to keep their focus. And on the other hand, I also love the, those epic prayers in the Bible when people really speak their mind to God. Um, so what, where is the essence? I don't know. 
Thank you. And Eleanor, what about you? What's the essence of Jewish prayer? Wow. Um, such eloquent explanations so far. Uh, for me, it's interesting that I think prayer is something essentially human. And so for me, that there's an element of what Yael's described as kind of getting through the noise to something that's really important. But for me, it's almost as if prayer is a language and the Jewish bit is the accent that we put on it through the forms that we create our prayer in and how we actually express it. There's a quotation from Abraham Joshua Heschel in our Reform Siddur, which says that prayer is our humble answer to the inconceivable surprise of being which for me is something quite beautiful, but actually the quotation that we have in the Siddur misses the bit that comes before it that also is for me something about at least why I pray and what I see in Jewish prayer. Um, because he says that to pray is to take notice of the wonder, to regain the sense of the mystery that animates all beings, opening ourselves to the possibility of an encounter with the divine. And for me, there's just something beautiful about that expression. I think something you've all alluded to really beautiful ideas, first of all. I'm kind of interested to explore a little bit further how that essence for each of you transports from one space to another or how you capture that essence when you're moving around. Definitely, Yael and Tully, you both alluded in parts to a physical, things that you would typically associate with the physical, a connection between people, and Tully, you also mentioned even the physical buildings that maybe we've used to have even pre-prayer and evolving into prayer. And Eleanor as well. Also, um, these are all things that I would think you're only going to get in a physical space or maybe physically out in nature. I'd love it if you guys could say a little bit more about how you have found carrying over that essence since uh, March last year. Yeah, can I ask you first to maybe speak a little bit more about that? Um, sure. So, so I think it's it's really brilliant that Tali actually brought up the destruction of the temple um, because that's actually something that emerged out of my conversation with a rabbi quite early on in the pandemic, um, who was who was making that comparison and basically saying, you know, this our Judaism is going to change now the way that Judaism changed um, when the second temple was destroyed. We had to completely rethink things. Um, this is going to be as transformative. Um, and so I think what it's done in sort of not that it hasn't been traumatic and not that the destruction of the temple wasn't traumatic. I think we can all agree that we have experienced a significant amount of trauma as a people, as a global community this year. Um, and sort of the destruction of the temple, um, exile, all that jazz, very, very, very traumatic. Um, but, but what it did do and what it has done is that it's made us aware of the fact that spirituality is not tied to a particular space and a particular way of doing things. Um, we've had to not be in the spaces where we find that connection. Um, we've had to transfer what we do into other spaces. Um, and that, that removal of what we're quite attached to as a form um, and as a space has actually enabled us, I think, to get deeper into what the essence is and like enabled us to be much more creative about it and enabled us to realize that our synagogues are not the buildings they're everything that happens inside of them 
Um, they're the people, they're, they're the teachings, they're the songs, they're the stories. Like that is Judaism. Judaism is not a building. Judaism could never be bound up completely in a building. Um, and I think that's something that I really hope that we take back um, into our lives, even after, you know, being here by Yameno, we, we return to um, some kind of in-person situation, whatever that may be. Amen. Tully, is that the case for you? Do you feel that the lockdown and COVID-19 have made you think that uh, prayer really does transcend the physical space or have you found it's made you yearn for it more? Um, a little bit of both. Um, to continue both what Yed and what Eleanor were saying earlier and to mention Heschel again with this idea of Shabbat as a temple in time and not in space, I think we're living through a radical experiment uh, of, of space being transformed into time only. And in that sense, the fact that we're all online and with no real space to hold us together is, is perhaps the, the most profound realization of this idea that we are not a people whose essence is space, but a people whose essence is time. And, and that very essence was not affected in a way by uh, the pandemic and by the fact that we cannot be in the same physical space. Um, and another aspect of it, I think, is that we do have space in Zoom to contradict myself, okay? But her, our, our space has become very individual. We suddenly see each other's houses, which we see um, people, you know, walking in the background. We see pets. We see things that would, we would never see in the synagogue. We see plants, which is also nice and, and are often rare in our synagogues. It's not something that we're used to as part of the synagogue decor. So we, we in a way, see more of, of the world of the people and less of the world uh, of the synagogue itself. And there is something very moving about that, which, which I will be sad to not see anymore when this is over. I can definitely relate. There's certainly an intermingling of the public and the private space, our personal spaces, and then when we come together online. And uh, it's definitely has it brings with it its own feelings, or it raises within me my different feelings from when I would just go to a synagogue. Eleanor, what about you? How do you feel uh, about this essence kind of transferring over to the virtual space? I think a lot of it can transfer. Um, but I wonder how much this evening we've actually been talking as Jewish professionals, as prayer leaders. And I think from what I'm hearing when I'm talking to a number of um, people who are synagogue members is that their experience of Judaism is tied up with place more than our idea of Judaism is tied up with place. And I think part of that is to do with the challenge of attending prayer services on Zoom and engaging actively rather than sitting into kind of sit back and passive reception television mode. And I'm sure to an extent that also happens when we're in a building, but there's something about having actively had to displace yourself from your home to a synagogue that you, in some ways you set yourself up to be open to those things. And I think for a lot of people, there's been a real challenge um, in creating a sense of prayerfulness 
in their own homes because of all those wonderful things that we're seeing in the background all the things that are going on it actually takes intention to make a service meaningful as a participant um and i think that's been a big challenge for a lot of people that they're feeling they're missing out on something because prayer virtually is actually more demanding of you and that's something that we perhaps weren't all prepared for and I can definitely imagine from my own experience that sometimes the distractions at home are um, make it too difficult to sometimes join in and meaningfully connect to a service. Uh, if you, and I, you know, it could be that you have children or you have pets, but it could just be the baggage that maybe has built up over the week from doing work in your home, and then that also being your prayer space, which comes very difficult to leave behind. Uh, let me go back to you, Ellen, just ask, can you talk about any of the challenges that you felt in moving to the virtual space? And you've, you've spoken beautifully about how you've adapted to those challenges and the opportunities that have come with it. But as I said, that is, is there something that you still, you know, that why do you, why would you yearn for a physical space at all to return to? Why not just keep going with this? You know, I, I think I may be in the minority of people who really, really enjoy praying in this way. So I, I just want to presence that. Um, but I I really was struck by something that I 100% missed that made me so heartbroken, um, which was I was at the um, Debbie Friedman Memorial Concert this past um, weekend. And um, I that's sort of one of the only times where I've been a congregant as opposed to a service leader. So I had this experience of being in this Zoom room with 500 people and more and like these these beautiful cantors leading us in song and I couldn't hear anyone. I couldn't hear anyone. I just saw these these mute screens and I wanted I wanted to hear all those voices together. Um and there was one moment in the concert um, where they played a recording from um, Shirei Chagiga, um, which I believe is now, it's not last year, it'll be the year before actually, um, the Reform Judaism Movement um, Music Concert, uh, I can find words, um, conference, that's what they are called. Um, and it was all of us singing a setting um, of Hashkivenu. And I just, I haven't heard that in such a long time, all these voices layered over each other without computer editing. Um, and um, there's, some, there's something about that of just, I miss being in a room together where you can hear other people singing the harmonies, singing loudly, singing terribly, singing beautifully, just having, having sound, having noise, being able to really feel that deep connection um you simply can't mimic that however you want um with technology that's something that i'm very conscious of when i've been leading uh, over the past year that if we were together in a synagogue you know usually people are joining in you're getting to hear and feel people singing whereas when you're leading on zoom you know you're just looking at a load of blank faces or hopefully faces that are emotionally animated but you can't hear the tefillah you cut you know you, you you only have visual cues and I'm also often wondering how that feels for for congregants or people who are attending a service where usually they would want to 
join in all together with multiple people, but the only person they can really join in is with me. And unfortunately, that's a, a challenge, a limitation of Zoom that we have. Tully, what about you? Is there something that you particularly miss from the physical space that we we used to be going to on a regular basis? I think we all miss the singing um, and, and just hearing the voice of a community, the joint voice that is made out of many, many voices. Um, and also not hearing ourselves sing and being self-conscious of what we sound like, either when we're sitting at home and we're on mute, but we're still singing to ourselves and, you know, other members of the household might look at us in a um, strange way, uh, or uh, we're actually singing to the audience, which might be embarrassing in a different way. But I, I have to say that I miss other aspects as well. A lot of things around um, the Torah reading which we no longer do because we have no scroll to, to process. And um, it kind of, it takes something out of that service for me um, that I really do miss. And I really do want to see going back. And of course I miss the gossip, which, you know, it's, it's, this is, it has a place, right? It's right before Amidah or it depends where, you, I mean, every synagogue has its custom. You say, it's something of that, of the many, many, many reasons that we come to synagogue that are not just to pray is, is of the essence of the institution. And, and I want that back. I think you touched on something really important there, which is the framing of our, of our episode today is certainly worship and prayer, but that actually brings loads of people into shul for prayer services where they maybe aren't coming mainly for prayer, but for the atmosphere of being with people and for the conversations and connections they form around that. And, you, you know, you definitely lose a lot of that on Zoom. It's much harder to have those spontaneous conversations, and those one-to-one -one conversations. One thing that I want to ask all of you is to think about something that you have seen since we've moved online and into virtual prayer spaces or maybe even in your personal practice but stuff that we aren't a prayer when we're not able to come together physically that has moved you or something that you found that has really worked on a practical level it could be something that you have done yourself or it could be something that you have seen somebody else do um and yeah do you mind if i come back to you and ask you first I kind of feel in my head here I have an order. Uh, I, it's, uh, it's not a hierarchical one, I promise. Something that has moved me. I think in many ways, it's the very fact that the community is still possible. Um, to be able to realize just how portable our Mishkan is, right? It's, it's portable even onto the internet. Um, and the community that I co-lead with Kohenet Rachel Rose Reed, Yalala, um, prior to the pandemic didn't really exist in its current form. Um, you know, we would, we would struggle to get 10 people on a regular basis. And, you know, maybe we'd get 30 people for a retreat couple times a year and now we have a weekly community where you know 20 30 people is a regular thing and then 60 people might sign up to a workshop um, and so seeing seeing the fact that actually being online has enabled a, a particular type of community to grow where actually geography and access needs 
um, fear of being in synagogue space um, for a variety of reasons um, has actually brought a lot of people together and, and a lot of people who feel connected to each other and want to share deeply with one another. And there was um, a moment, so you said you missed the gossip, Tully. Um, we started opening up our Zoom room before services about 15 minutes before for people to have that time. Um, and there was this beautiful moment of people just organically beginning to share their life stories with one another. Um, and, you know, sharing, sharing wisdom about particular transformational moments. Um, and just seeing that that emerge that that community is still possible that connection is still possible that's what's moved me more than any particular leadership gimmick tully same to you what's kind of uh, what have you really connected with in terms of prayer in the lockdown i've connected with eleanor uh as a service leader uh something that i would never have a chance to do uh, and it was, I have to say that even within our college, the way that people came together and actually had a need that was almost physically felt um, to be present to each other and to present to be present as a community on this digital space is was something that was very moving for me. Um, Eleanor, I think it's it's your turn now. <laughs> Yes, Eleanor, what are your thoughts? What what is what has spoken to you uh, prayer-wise in the lockdown? One of the things that has been lovely about being online is the ability to share new prayers and new liturgy without being limited by books. In a way that when you can share texts on screen and new lyrics to songs, it's actually easier in some ways to introduce variety and to introduce new things um, in a way I imagine as we were before having to photocopy enough sheets to go around everybody or having to try and teach people things and them getting frustrated because they can't see. Now we can do that very differently. The other thing that I actually love, which slightly contradicts what I was saying before about that it's difficult for some people to engage at home. What I love is that we're actually, by the fact of doing these things, helping people to be reminded that prayer doesn't only belong in a synagogue. We are actually taking it into their homes and hopefully reminding them that prayer can go anywhere, that there are people. I have one last question that I'm going to ask each of you, and that is we've been talking now about some of the things that maybe we've discovered, positive things, moving our prayer spaces online or out of the synagogue. But what do you hope Jewish prayer will look like once we are able to return to our synagogue buildings? Do you hope it will look the same or is there some change that you think is going to come about which will be of benefit and, you know, I don't want to say an improvement, but something that will maybe be fundamentally different? Yeah. Um, I think probably the most beautiful thing that that has emerged out of this manner of prayer is the way that there there isn't a hierarchy of participation anymore. Um, Many progressive synagogues have had some kind of online um, option in the past, whether it's live streaming or, or something similar um, to enable people who um, can't make it in for whatever reason, um, often because of age or other access needs, physical disabilities, uh, mental health issues. Um, and now we're all participating on the same level. Um, and 
nobody is more or less a part of a community. Um, and I really hope that that ethos um, of meeting everyone where they are with, without that kind of hierarchy um, can be preserved. Um, and, and I think sort of an extension of that is, is the comfort that so many people feel in their own homes. I think often when we leave our homes to go to synagogue, we feel like we have to put on a particular hat, whether it's a literal or metaphorical one. Um, and I lead services now and I see people in their pajamas or lying down in beds, drinking a cup of tea, um, dancing around, bopping up and down. And I think it's a rarity to see people in their pajamas bopping up and down in synagogue. Um, and I would, I would love to preserve that sense of comfort, um, that sense of we can be whoever we need to be and show up in the fullness of ourselves um, when we are physically with one another. Tully, what about you? What do you hope Jewish prayer will look like once we can return to our physical spaces? Um, I hope it would look a lot like what we all miss, uh, at least in the beginning. But I think, I think unless there is some mechanism for teleportation, uh, which will be invented very, very soon. This is uh, one of the aspects that I hope you will take um, into, into this, whatever, old life, new life. Uh, we were able, I think, all of us to expand our Jewish experience just by being not physically yet still present uh, in other synagogues, in other praying communities, in ways that we haven't been able to, to be before. Uh, I know from my experience and a lot of other people's experience that shul hopping uh, suddenly became possible. And it means that if on a particular Saturday morning you want to go to a synagogue that is not your 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 community, it becomes way more familiar and it's easier for you to enter that space. And this feeling of unity and maybe even of reformed Judaism uh, and liberal Judaism, having a feeling of of kind of a bigger, a bigger community, an umbrella community that people are part of is something that I think definitely came out of this situation and I would like to preserve. I, I've definitely benefited from the ability to hop into different prayer spaces. And when I have two young children, and if you Friday night in particular is often very difficult to go to because both uh, Robin and I, my wife and I, we both like to go into those prayer spaces. Neither one of us wants to stay home and look after the children, but Shaul often clashes with their bedtime and their dinner time, whereas actually with the online space, it's, achieve, it's relatively easy to achieve both. So I've definitely felt an advantage there. Eleanor, what about you? I think we have a challenge in front of us, which is how to blend the best of what we've been doing online with the best of being in person. The attempts that I've seen so far of communities starting to go back in person and also put those services online are not yet achieving um, good participation either for one group or the other and i think that's a real challenge for us looking forward trying to work out how do we welcome both communities simultaneously in one community the other thing that i really hope for us as we go back into into our in-person services i'm not looking for drastic change but i would love us to appreciate more fully what we have i would love us to be appreciating the quality of silence that isn't fully silent when we're in person as opposed to that blank silence of a zoom room i'd love us to be aware of the beauty 
of those moments before we start the service when everyone's catching up on the gossip and to really feel the gorgeousness of getting to sing together. I hope we will take that renewed awareness of all that we're blessed with in our in-person services and keep that beyond just the first week of going back in person. Eleanor, I, that brings us to the end of this podcast and what a great note to end on. I want to thank all of our guests, Yael, Tully, Eleanor, and also Liberal Judaism, Reform Judaism and Leo Beck College for supporting Progressively Jewish. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a positive comment or review with your podcast provider. We hope that you will recommend us to your friends and fellow congregants, those who are Jewish and people of all faiths and none. To share your ideas on the future of this podcast, leave a comment on the Progressively Jewish Facebook page or email us at progressivelyjewish at gmail.com. Next week's episode will be hosted by my friend and colleague, Rabbi Igor Zinkov, where he will be looking at Purim and how we approach difficult and controversial texts.